What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Yanksko Talking. Believe it or not, this is our 25th episode ever. So thanks, everyone, for continuing to listen, watch every week. We thank you so much for your support. It's coming up to the holiday season. The U.S. men's national team is taking on Bosnia and Herzegovina this weekend. We're going to talk through our preferred starting 11. We have a special buy or sell edition of transfers that are happening in the January window. The Champions League draw was this week, so we'll talk through the U.S. men's national team and where they are going to play in their Champions League knockout rounds. And we have our first player interview at the end of the podcast with Michael Woparlo, who just made his debut in the Polis First Division. He's an 18-year-old dual national eligible for the U.S. men's national team and Poland. Guys, before we kick off this insane episode, there's lots to talk about. Gotta see how you're doing. Gotta check in. The feel feels. Ryan, how's it going over there in Germany? Man, I appreciate those feel feels. Uh, doing <laughs> doing well, man. It's uh, it's been cold. It's been a little snowy. Been getting a lot of rain in there as well. But this weekend, got to get up to Cologne for a bit, and they they kind of closed most of the Christmas markets. But what you can do is kind of go up to the city center and where typically the city center and the the big Christmas Kindle would be. You can go to the side streets and all the vendors and the food and the glue line and all that is still there. So got to experience a bit of that this weekend. It was fun. We missed out on all that in 2020. So just trying to advance on that German experience. And it's you can't really fully experience Germany until you've gone to a, a good Christmas market. So got that out of the way. Hopefully we'll get more in in the upcoming years. But besides that, just trying to stay warm, man. It's getting pretty cold out here. I, you know, moving here from Phoenix, still adjusting a little bit to this type of cold weather. So. <laughs> It's been good, though. How about you guys? Yeah, Tom. Doing we great. Um, yeah, you can see my background is very different now. Um, I have traded in my little desert home in New Mexico for my parents' house in Chattanooga. I'll be here for about a month. Uh, it's a busy time still, even though my classes are done, wrapped up, and grades are due today, so I should figure out how I did you know, this semester pretty soon. I... I still have a lot to get done. All my grad school applications are due on Wednesday, so I'll be, you know, hanging out working on those. And we still I've got a conference in about a month that I need to do some research to get ready for. Beyond that, you know, just get ready getting ready for Christmas. Uh, we got a Christmas tree yesterday. We drove up to Knoxville to cut it down as a family. We always go to a live tree farm and cut one down. And tonight's just gonna be the start of us decorating the house and you know, spending some time as a family, which is very rare for all of us to get to come together. So, you know, fun times here. That's great. That's awesome to hear. Just mm-hmm. make sure none of that school stuff gets in front of your podcasting career. We would hate <laughs> to see what happens there. Yeah, no, definitely <laughs> won't. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So let's talk a little bit about the game that's upcoming this weekend. The U.S. men's national team, MLS style, and Brian Reynolds included, is taking on Bosnia and Herzegovina. We've actually played Bosnia and Herzegovina twice in the last few years. Uh, winning one and drawing the other nil-nil. We have a, again, very heavy MLS roster that's coming up. Let's talk about what our preferred starting 11 is. So, Ryan, I'm going to start with you because before we started recording, you, you were talking about there's lots of options that you could have with this team, a lot of different setups that you could have. What did you mean by that? And like, maybe let's just start putting some players onto paper. Yeah, so without just listing off like a straight 11, I, I did find it interesting the different combinations you could put together. Uh, normally from a roster in a window like this, 
it can be kind of dull, a lot of the same faces that you think you've seen before, but this actually was an interesting exercise putting it all together and kind of cheating a little bit in the beginning, but splitting hairs at goalie. Cause I do think, you know, you start out with Turner in there just because given the qualifying games that are coming up in January and he, you know, is going to have any minutes until then. So I think important to get him in a little bit, but for me, I would definitely sub in Slonina at halftime. Uh, Cause you know, another Polish American dual nap, as we were talking about earlier uh, is a guy that, you know, you want to make sure he feels welcome and, It'll be interesting to see how he stacks up playing against, you know, some of the best in MLS that have been called up to the national team. So interesting to see how he gels with the guys. He's still so young. He's such a kid. So to come into a roster like this with some older guys, it'll, it'll be a good experience for him. So from the back, I'm splitting hairs in the beginning, but I don't know, Tom, would you go with Turner for a full 90 or what would you prefer? I I do think we're going to see Turner for a full 90 just because looking at the rest of the roster, I don't want to waste a sub on a goalie. And I don't think we're going to see Slanina start, especially with, you know, a very important World Cup qualifying window in January. So for me, it's Turner. Keep him in good form. Keep him playing. Make sure that he's, you know, keeping up his minutes before we head into must-win games in cold environments in January. So for me, it's Turner just based on the fact that we only have six subs and the rest of the roster is full of players that I want to see. Maybe we can have some type of gentleman's agreement with Bosnia and Herzegovina that we can have 11 subs and no one will team sub at halftime. Yeah. Yeah, Nobody will tell FIFA. We'll just have line changes. (laughs) (laughs) It's a hockey game or something. I don't know. What what do you, I don't know. What do you think though, Jake? Would you, I mean, I know you're a Slonina fan. Yeah. How would you play it? I feel like Matt Turner gets a start and continues with 90. I feel like for someone like Gabriel Slanina, who's so young and so inexperienced and just got time with the, I think it was the U20 team. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So he played in all those games. And for me, it's enough to have him in camp to be a part of this team, to be working with the other players that have committed to the U S the other dual nationals. I think this is a really important camp in terms of, Gabriel Slanina and Jonathan Gomez's experience as a dual national and them deciding longer term if they want to be with the U S or the other countries that they're eligible for. So I I think for me, like it's not a deterrent if Matt Turner plays and starts and, and goes the full 90 without Gabriel Slanina seeing the field. I think it's enough to have him in the camp and spend a few weeks with the guys. I feel like as a dual national 18 year old, you just gotten your chance to start in goal between the sticks for the U20 team. Give Matt Turner the start. Let him play. He's had a wonderful season for the U.S. Men's National Team and New England Revolution. I feel like that's enough for me to, like, there's there's not a huge downside, I guess, to not playing Gabriel Slanina. Yeah, I think it's a yeah. good point. I, just, I, I think what we, we tend to under, overrate the importance of playing in the match at the end of a camp like this in compared to how much the camp matters because we only get to see the match at the end, but Greg gets to see this whole camp. They get to be players for a full week or two weeks. And even though we're not getting new data points for, you know, our podcasts and the like, it's still good value for the players to get a chance to, you know, get into this camp and work with the guys. And Greg is still getting a chance to see what they can do. Even if we're not seeing it at the end. Yeah, absolutely. So I think we're all in accordance with Matt Turner being the starter in this game. Yeah. What then, do we do? 
Yeah. Sorry. Go no, 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 you go. No, no, you go. I was going to kind of move us along to defenders and just say, what, what the hell do we do in defense? <laughs> so, yeah, I was going to touch on that a bit. I don't think Greg gets fancy. Uh, when Looking at everybody that's in camp, you know, you could have gone with three at the back or you could do your typical four. So I don't think he gets fancy. I think we see something like a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1. Um, so if we're going to go with four at the back, you touched on it a little bit earlier. I think if uh, Joe or if Gomez is there, then I would love to see Gomez start at, at left back. Um, I don't think it is something that we'll see. I've seen reports saying that he could be in Spain as late as the 14th. So I think he could be potentially in flight as we talk. Um, so if he's unavailable, then I would be perfectly comfortable seeing Paredes there. I think he's, you know, an exciting young left back. We've, that's a position that's definitely open to take on the senior team. So with little camps like this, you find out, do we find a little depth piece? So interesting if we can get Paredes back there, get another data point and see him with the senior team would be really interesting. And then, uh, right back for me, it's Brian Reynolds, a guy that's just been starved for minutes. Uh, you know, this could be an opportunity where we do, you know, a lot of us have said that people do get a lot of experience just from training with big clubs like this. So He's been training with Roma and getting a lot of experience with the first team there. So hopefully come in, get some minutes against Bosnia Herzegovina. Hopefully put him in the shop window a little bit. Maybe we'll see if he gets a, a transfer in this window, considering he hasn't been getting a lot of minutes at Roma. And then center back pairing seems to be common sense to me. Would be Zimmerman and Long is who I would go with. It seems like who Greg would go with as well. Zimmerman is going to be the senior statesman that's there and leads everybody in long coming back from injury. I'm just interested to see how many minutes he has underneath his legs. Uh, Tom, do you see it any different at the back or any other people that you would like to put in there? I, I would be interested to see Justin Shea in place of Aaron long for the first half and give long the second half. Once the game is maybe, you know, not being played with as much intensity. We do want to protect him. Those Achilles injuries are nasty. It's really hard to come back from it. So I'm all for, letting Che get the start and giving Long a chance to, you know, clean it up at the end. But I would be perfectly fine to see Long there. Those are the only three center backs that I'm really interested in seeing. I don't really think Kessler, Henry, Trusty are going to really put move the needle as far as pushing for minutes this this cycle. They might be in the minutes in the conversation for the elder statesman next cycle, but for me, it's just not the time to really give them the minutes that could be going to Che, Long, and Zimmerman. Uh, my, I'm fine with Gomez. I do think it will be Paredes instead of Gomez, and I'm excited to see what Paredes can do. He's He's got a lot of sauce for a left back. And then at right back, as much as I want to see Reynolds, I'm also interested to see what Burks Lennon can do. I would be interested to see him in that starting spot. I wonder what you guys thought of him playing in that game. What I, what I thought is that I knew you were going to say that, Mr. MLS Cup winners 2018. <laughs> uh, yeah, Brooks Lennon, like from what I've seen actually in Atlanta this season, he's a he's a right back that has enough to give to this team in the best of his games. But I worry about his consistency. I worry about how long he's been playing the position. He hasn't been a right back for his entire career. Um, so we'll see what he has to give, but... I think for me, I'm on the same wavelength as Ryan in terms of giving Ryan Reynolds a chance to run out, show what he's worth to other teams and potentially get a transfer loan in this next window because Roma, the, I mean, we knew that Mourinho didn't really rate Brian Reynolds, but them allowing him to come to this camp while they have competitive games just 
took that to a whole other level. So I, I would like to see Brian Reynolds there. Um, I'm actually wondering, like, if we take a step back, are you guys thinking that Greg Berhalter is going to build the starting 11 towards the best 11 available? Or do you think he's going to build it towards youth and giving playing time? Or is that maybe like for the second half to give playing time to subs? I think he, there's going to be specific situations that he wants to see specific players in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's, you know, Greg is pretty analytical and I think he breaks the game down to, you know, small corners and tries to break it down into digestible pieces. So I think he's going to see young players that could potentially make their way into the 22 or into the 23 for Qatar. For me, I think this camp is about potentially finding some depth pieces. And then it's kind of your typical January camp. If you can kind of come away from this with one or two guys that can impact your 23 that weren't already in your 23, uh, then I think that's, that's a huge takeaway from the camp. So in my opinion, Greg's going to be looking to fill very specific roles. I don't think he'll have a, an overall agenda like that. I feel like there's going to have to be some agenda, though, because there is a very important window coming up next month where we have two home games and a game at Canada that's going to decide our fate for the World Cup and whether or not we end up in a qualifying playoff. So there will be players that you will see who normally wouldn't be a part of a January camp setup, like your Zardes, your Morris, your Pepe, who, your Zimmerman, your Turners, who you know have to be ready for this next camp who aren't going to get minutes until that camp starts. So we will see some sacrificing of the youth and the testing players out and trialing them for depth pieces in order to keep the MLS guys fresh for this next window that's going to be so crucial. But like how fresh is fresh when this game is on the 18th of December and I think January 27th is our next qualifier and there's minutes no MLS is- between. Uh, minutes is minutes, though. I mean, we've seen guys in Europe who, you know, just get a couple spot minutes, and that's enough to keep them at least more match fit than they would have been otherwise. Yeah, uh, that's fair to say. I guess this will be a huge question for me when we get to the forward spot. Like, Ricardo Pepe is pretty much a locked-on starter, not just for this team, but even for the first 11. Mm. But then, like, because of that, do we give him playing time because we we want him to be fresh for these qualifiers, or... Do we give it to Cade, Ka- Cade Cowell? Do we give it to Jossie Zardes? Do we give it to Jesus Pereira? Um, we can have that conversation when we get there. Let's move up to the midfield, though. Um, and I don't assuming, know what to do with this midfield. <laughs> yeah. That this, I mean, even before we were building the starting 11, right? We were talking last week. This is by far the weakest part of this roster. You have three spots in a 4-3-3 to give to this midfield. We have five players that are listed as midfielders. However, there are a few forwards that could potentially play here, but you have Kellen Acosta, Cole Bassett, Johnny Cardoso, Christian Roldan, and Jackson Ewell to pick from. Who Who is in your starting three in that middle of the field? Tom, maybe we'll, we'll kick it over to you to start that. I don't know. Um, for starters, we have three, uh, three sixes out of five midfielders, which seems like a mistake, unless Berhalter sees Cardoso as an eight which I also think is a mistake. So um, I'm really not sure what to do here. I would love to see Cardoso start at the six. I don't know if Greg is going to agree with me, though. 
I feel like if he starts, he's going to be at the eight. For me, Acosta has to start, and Bassett has to start as one of the eights. And then from there, I'm not opposed to Cardoso at an eight. I also don't love it and would rather see him come on for Acosta and play the six. And I'd rather see Roldan play the eight if I had to pick someone. But I don't know. I'm interested to see what you guys think here because there's just not a whole lot promising in this midfield. And I don't really like any of the setups or think they work very well for what Berhalter is trying to do with the senior team midfield. Ryan, I, I want to hear what you think. Well, I think there's one player that could fill the role of, you know, uh, an eight in this type of system, but a little bit more advanced eight, and that's Taylor Booth. Uh, so for me, the three in the middle are going to be Acosta, Bassett, and Booth. Uh, if we do end up, as I, I talked about a little bit earlier, if we do potentially do like a four, two, three, one, I think that does suit Booth to play in the middle up there, and then we could have uh, Acosta and Bath or Acosta and Bassett covering the back line. And I think also too we are talking earlier about having Reynolds and Paredes, like both those two guys can get up the field. I feel somewhat okay having Acosta, Zimmerman and Long or fill in your other center back there, kind of protecting the back if we do push up and get caught out a little bit. I think those are three guys that can kind of hold it down back there for us and at least, you know, commit a foul so we can get back into positioning. So I think Booth is the one key for me that I think has been forgotten about in this camp a little bit, but I'm super excited to see. Now, if we're going to do a 4-2-3-1, correct me if I'm wrong, but Bassett's more of an advanced 8-slash-winger, so I would almost rather see him as the 10 and give Johnny Cardoso some minutes in the double pivot with Acosta, right? You For could do that as well. He's, he is listed as a center attacking midfielder in FIFA, <laughs> which means very little, <laughs> but it means a little more information than we did have. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think he's your ideal, like, double pivot eight there in the middle. Um, but he's just a, a younger player that I'm kind of trying to fit in there that I would like to see. Uh, but I think as far as the most advanced one, it, for me, it would be Booth for sure. It's kind of finding that other eight to cover at the back that I struggled to find a little bit in there. So for me, I think Bassett is capable of it. And hopefully, I mean, it's a friendly. I want to see some guys out there that can progress the ball and hopefully – the ball in the back of the net. I really thought you were going to a place, Ryan, where you were going to say that Julian Green was that player that fit <laughs> where where you had Taylor <laughs> Booth. That you had a long pause there where I really thought Julian Green was was going to come to fruition. All right, so I mean, even there, uh, Tom, you said you had Johnny Cardoso, Christian Roldan, and. No, I have Bassett, Roldan, and Acosta. Okay, Bassett, Roldan, and Acosta. And Ryan had Acosta, Bassett, and Booth. Mm -hmm. I would put Caden Clark in the Booth spot. I would put him in the 10 and have Acosta and Bassett or Acosta and Roldan in the the kind of double pivot behind him. I knew you were going there, Jake. <laughs> yeah, but I, I do think on this team, Greg probably sees Caden Clark more as a left winger, which he did play some of for the New York Red Bulls last year. I just don't really know where his natural position is for this team and where he would end up. Um, so we'll we'll keep Taylor Booth in there. We're going to say Acosta, Bassett, and Booth is the uh, team three in the midfield. 
All right, so moving up to the attack, we have the forward pool. Taylor Booth is listed as a forward. Caden Clark is listed as a forward. They both play everywhere in the front six. Then Cade Cowell, Jesus Ferreira, Jordan Morris, Ricardo Pepe, and Giassi Zardes are the others to pick from. Guys, what do we make of this front three? How do we fit everyone who are our best players or our young players that need time into this roster? For me, the front yeah. three, I would go with Morris, Clark. I know we we're talking about moving Clark into the middle. For me, I was going to put him out on the right wing, especially because he can kind of tuck in and work in those half spaces. Uh, and then up top, how we were talking about earlier as well for minutes, uh, I would put Pepe up top. Uh, we know who Jazzy's artist is. We don't learn anything from that. But I think giving Pepe one more opportunity is, you know, for him, especially being so young, minutes, every minute does count. So give him an opportunity to go out there and showcase for a little bit and then sub him off after 55, 60 minutes, something like that. Again, it's a friendly. He's in the shop window right now. Don't want anything bad to happen. I'm literally knocking on wood as I say this. Uh, so let's, you know, have him get through, but, you know, at least have an opportunity to get a few minutes under his legs. Tom, do you agree with that front three? I got a, I got Morrison Clark flipped, but I do think that those are the three to start. Okay, nice. So I guess just as a starting 11, I'm trying to find Caden Clark and build it on the, uh, the FIFA website. But Caden Clark, I guess, is not... <laughs> A player that is in this database. Okay, so our starting 11, also Taylor Booth, doesn't have a card in FIFA. So I just used someone else named Booth. We have Matt Turner starting at goalkeeper, Kevin Paredes, Walker Zimmerman, Aaron Long, Brian Reynolds in our back line. Cole Bassett, Kellen Acosta, Taylor Booth in the midfield. Jordan Morris, Ricardo Pepe, and Caden Clark as the front three. I feel like that's a pretty strong starting 11 do you yeah. guys feel like we get a result against this Bosnia team? 100%. What happens if we don't? Nothing. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty pretty trivial game. Doesn't yeah. mean a ton. All right. No. Uh, yeah, anything I'm, else that, that you're expecting from this game? I just want to see players get some minutes. I want to see us play well, obviously. But it's it's an opportunity for us to collect data on players who... We normally don't get a chance to look at and see how they fit into the team going forward. So I'm just excited to get a chance to look at these players and give them a better look than I have in maybe some of their club games, see how they fit with the team. So we know about them going forward. Yeah. Ryan, if you can still hear us, what's the biggest goal for you going into this game? Uh, for me, it's coming away, finding depth pieces. Uh, again, I think left back, finding another depth piece there is important. And then I'm really, I didn't find a way to squeeze him in, but I am very interested to see Cardoso. He didn't have a great showing his first time playing for the U.S., but hopefully playing with the senior team and, you know, playing hopefully in a little bit of a better situation and having a little bit more time in camp because he kind of looked like a fish out of the water the first time playing with the U.S., just looked really uncomfortable in the system. So getting Cardoso in there and potentially finding him is seeing if he it could potentially be a depth piece for the backup six uh, right now, Costa really has that held down, but I think competition is warranted for that area. Yeah, absolutely. I'm hoping to see Aaron Long get back healthy. I'm hoping to see Jordan Morris get back healthy and all of those guys I think can play a part, at least in the next upcoming world cup qualifiers. It's crazy to think that after January, we're probably going to know where we stand 
in terms of yeah. qualifying for the World Cup, exactly how many points we would need from that last window. And six six games seems like a lot, but as soon as the end of January hits, those games are going to come up very quickly, and we're going to know in the next few months if the U.S. is going to make it into this World Cup in Qatar next winter. All right, guys, speaking of our best 11 for the U.S. men's national team, the players that we will see for World Cup qualifying, there are a few that have some transfer rumors swirling. So we're getting closer to silly season. January 1st to January 31st is a international transfer window where players from everywhere around the globe can be sold and traded to other teams. There are a few players that are the highest profile U.S. men's national team players that have made the news recently of prospective moves. And there's also some other players like Daryl DK, Ricardo Pepe, and Miles Robinson that we think might be on the move as well. So this is the buy or sell edition of Transfer Rumors. Tom, can you tell the people what buy or sell is and how we're going to do this exercise? Yeah, so buy or sell basically means do you are you buying the rumor? Is it, you know, we're talking this sort of stock prices. Do you sort of think that this is a good rumor that's going to lead somewhere or are you selling it? Are you saying, no, 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 got to get rid of it. That's That's a lie. It's not actually going to happen. So we're going to throw at you a transfer rumor, and then all three of us are going to say whether we buy or sell that that transfer rumor is real and something that has legs or something that we like or think should happen. Cool. All right, let's let's kick off then. Christian Pulisic has not been getting lots of playing time at Chelsea, even though they are decimated by injuries. And when he does see the field, he's playing as a false nine. He's playing as a left wing back. He's playing every position that is not his best position. There are rumors that he is being wanted and pursued by Barcelona. Are you guys buying or selling that rumor? I'm selling it. Do they even have money? Yeah. Do they have yeah. money to be buying anybody? What? That's that's my biggest concern is it, if that's even financially possible for them. Uh, but as far yeah. as looking at the Barcelona lineup, like, sure, right now they're super injured. Depay's got a hamstring. Fati's got a hamstring. Aguero's got heart problems. So, I mean, a lot of their attacking depth is hurt right now, but that's some of that's like the hamstring problems. Both those guys should be back in like February and January. It's nothing super serious. Uh, but, you know, he's not getting a bunch of minutes right now at Chelsea, but I'm kind of looking at some of the Barca lineup. He would still struggle. I don't know. He may not struggle, but he'd still have to certainly fight for every single minute there. So it's not just, you know, he, he immediately walks into their starting eleven. Uh, I think one of the most important questions is, is is Barcelona ready to have two Americans potentially in their starting lineup? Like, could you, you think it's a lot of pressure, I think playing, you know, obviously for big clubs in London, but I think, you know, you've seen the videos of the Barcelona players leaving the stadium and stuff. Like they have to go through mobs of people. It would, it would be a lot of pressure on those two young men. Cause I think they could be singled out and scapegoated if problems don't turn a lot, turn around at Barcelona is like, Oh, well we had two Americans. That was, that was the problem. You guys make a, a lot of good arguments for selling this transfer rumor. And I'll make one additional one. You mentioned Ansu Fati, uh, Dembele, they both play left wing. So even right there, Christian Pulisic has two very good players to get through on the depth chart, which is why I'm going to buy this rumor. Cause it makes yes. no sense. And yes. Barcelona rumors, <laughs> And even their transfer policy makes absolutely no sense. So 
in in the most dire of times for Barcelona, I can actually see them doing this, pulling the trigger and bringing Pulisic to the team, even if he's going to be behind people in the depth chart, if he's injury prone, if he's going to be scapegoated, if they don't have money, doesn't matter. Barcelona will do the dumbest thing possible and maybe they bring him in, which is why I'm buying this rumor. I do like the idea of him moving to Spain, though, and getting out of the Premier League. I think it could reduce some of those injuries. I I do like him going to Spain. It's not the right time for him to go to Barcelona. And I do think that Chelsea's going to run into another injury bug here soon, and he's going to get minutes. There's there's minutes to be had for him at Chelsea. I don't think Barcelona's the place to go if he's not getting minutes, especially given how terrible their finances are and how much of a disaster the club is right now bringing in Javi. Yeah, yep. All right, so staying on Barcelona, though, Dest is apparently being pursued by Bayern. So if if this is news to you, uh, when Dest left Ajax for Barcelona, he was also being pursued by Bar- by Bayern at that time as well. So it seems like Bayern is still in the race and running for him. Barcelona seemed to be scapegoating Dest every time he plays that he's the reason they lost. They need the money. He's a young player that's valuable in a position of need across the world. Are you guys buying or selling the rumor of Serginho Dest to Bayern Munich? In comparison I'm buying the... it. Go ahead, Tom. Compa- you take it. Yeah, in comparison to the Pulisic rumor, I'm buying this for sure. But Dest is a player who's fits what Bayern wants to do with their fullbacks. They don't have a lot of depth there. Uh, Pavar is more of a center back than a right back, but he's sort of their best option at right back right now. So it gives them a chance to bring in someone who might fit the system a little bit better, especially given Nagelbusman's love for a back three and that necessitating wing backs. I think that Davies and Dest would be the most dangerous fullback pairing in the world going forward. So I, I would be very interested to see this happen. And I'm buying this rumor given especially Dest's history. I do want to say, though, that it's absolutely insane that Dest is being scapegoated for all this, and they prefer 38-year-old Danny Alves to Dest right now, given how much of a disaster the club is. Yeah, I would definitely agree. It's it's insane that they are scapegoating him for it, but you know, what, I think it's maybe that we could see a little bit more of that only reading like English press. I, if my Spanish was better, I think it would be really interesting to read you know, some of the press out of Barcelona right now and see what, what their thoughts are. But yeah, right now in general, the press looks bad for Dest. Um, he is getting kind of blamed for everything. Since November, he's only played 139 minutes. So, uh, the, you know, it's not his typical 90 every week that we were seeing in the beginning. Most recently, he got pulled at halftime playing 45 minutes against Bayern when they were getting absolutely roasted in the first half. I mean, Bayern looked really impressive in going into the Champions League knockout stages. I think it's going to be pretty tough to see anybody stop Bayern at this point. So, yeah, everything looks like the sky is falling in Barcelona for Dest right now. But realistically, if he can stay there, if they don't end up selling him, I think it would be a good thing for him because I do think he has the talent to win over Xavi's mind and know that he is the right person for the right back position. But secondly, too, I think it's good for when Dest has to work a little bit harder and he's got to earn his way. That's when we see the best Sergio Dest, I think. When Sergio Dest thinks he can go out there and just win a starting spot or be the best on the field just because of who he is, is when he gets a little bit lackadaisical and makes mistakes. So if, if he does stick it out, I still think it could be a good thing for him. But if I had to buy or sell stock-wise, like you were saying, I would buy this because Byron has continued to show interest in him. 
And kind of like you said earlier too, Tom, that it is a position of need for him. And given the style that Nagelsmann plays, he really is kind of the right fit. Yeah. And Tom, can you imagine what Serginho Dest and and Davies on the wingbacks would be like for Bayern? That would be insane. Like it, it, that's not fair for any team to have to try and defend those two. I, I would love to see it, but I, I think, Ryan, you make a lot of good points for him to stay. Yeah. I am going to buy this just because I feel like it's a very reasonable, for as far as rumors go, it makes a lot of sense. There's some past precedents and history there. Um, the next one up is another of our MMA midfield. Tyler Adams is being rumored to go to Manchester United, where his former coach, Ralph Ragnick, and the greatest American assistant coach alive right now, Chris Armas, <laughs> is sitting there rubbing their hands together, hoping to bring Adams to United. Are you guys buying or selling Tyler Adams to Manchester United? For me, I'm selling it right now. I, I get it. It totally makes sense. With Ragnick there and his ties back to Leipzig, the style that they're playing, even Armas dating back to uh, Red Bull New York or then you look at it, it seems like he would fit the system. He knows some of the people there, uh, but I, I just don't see it right now. I think, you know, things are a little unsettled at Leipzig. They might be a little shy on pulling the trigger on a, one of their younger talents. I think they want to right the ship still here. Tedesco has experience coaching in the Bundesliga, the, the new Leipzig coach, uh, previously coached at Schalke. So I think, you know, they, they, they're a team that don't want to continue to hemorrhage points. They're making changes to try to right their Bundesliga outcome this season. So to me, it, it doesn't make sense for them to, to sell one of their young, strong assets, but I think it makes a lot of sense. And that's why you see the rumors. Yeah. I'm, I'm also selling this rumor. I, I buying it more than the arsenal rumor that was going around for most of this year, but still selling it given Leipzig just had a fire sale on most of their really strong talent before the season started and getting rid of their best young piece that they can really build a system around as they try and revamp and retool after Bayern rated them just feels like a bad move from them. And I don't see them making that decision. I feel like Adam should stick around and sort of continue what he's working on in Leipzig. I think he's still got a lot to do there and I think he can still grow a lot there. I mean, I have heard that he has a release clause of about 40 million pounds if that's the case, then Leipzig might not have the decision to make. It might just be a team that uh, triggers that clause. And if Tyler Adams wants to go and sign for this new team, then that's up to him. I guess my follow-up question to that is, is 40 million pounds a good deal for Tyler Adams? I don't know. It's <laughs> a good question. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say that I'm the most up-to-date on what the going rate for a 22 year old number six is uh, it's not necessarily, you know, a forward or an outside back. I think kind of the, some of the players that do the dirty work in the middle sometimes don't get the same amount of transfer fees. So to me, yeah, 40, 40 million pounds too. Like, you know, you got to think about conversion rate to dollars. We're already up to like $50 million at that point. So yeah, I mean, it seems like a, a pretty reasonable cost for him. If he continues, because if you think about it, if he continues to to get better, then if you're looking at a, a transfer fee for him when he's what 26, 27 in the middle of his prime, then is he at what 70 ish? 
so yeah, for a, a transfer in this young in his career for about 40 million pounds, I think that sounds accurate. It, it seems high to me. I mean, we're talking about three, three fifths of a pull of stick right there. Like, I, I don't know if I'm paying that much for a <laughs> six right now. <laughs> no, yeah. No. The, just don't see that making a whole lot of sense for <laughs> Manchester United. Oh, man. Well, I don't want to be a bunch of white guys talking about three fifths of a, a person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll cut that part out. Um, <laughs> oh, but it's oh man, well played, sir. Well played. Anyways, um, so next oh, rumor up is Daryl D. <laughs> um, going to West Brom, championship level team pushing for promotion. They're in need of a forward. Are you guys buying or selling the rumors for Daryl D. K. going to West Brom? If it's on a loan, then yes. Because uh, I think that that's the only way that Daryl DK actually gets to go play overseas. Is if he, because right now West Brom is sitting third at the table. So they're going to be one of, hopefully, in a promotion battle. And that would always be, you know, anytime you can have a player go through something like that, similar to how we had at Barnsley, they fell a little short. But to have him go through that again, I, I think is a good, really good experience for him. And if West Brom are to get promoted, they get that extra bit of change, then maybe they trigger the buyout clause. So I think that's the the scenario that gets Daryl DK overseas. I don't think it's going to be you know just a straight transfer because a lot of these MLS teams just continue to ask for too much money. Um, so the only way I see it possible is go to a team battling for promotion, get promoted, have some extra change, and then pull the trigger on DK. So I would buy this one. I, I think it's definitely a strong possibility. He's proven he can make an impact in that kind of situation. Yeah, I, I would buy this one as well. I, I do like the idea of Ryan of a loan. I do think that that's a better, more plausible scenario. I Daryl DK has already shown he can play in the championship and can be a strong player for any team looking for promotion in the championship. So see him get a chance there again would be great. Given how much Orlando's asking for him, though, I don't see this as a permanent deal. I don't think any championship team has the money to trigger what is an insane amount of money that Orlando's asking for. So I don't know what to make of it. Orlando needs to sell their players and stop messing around. Hey, if Daryl DK played for Atlanta, would it still be an insane amount of money? Is it just because yeah. he's with Orlando? No, no, it's it's still an insane amount of money. I, no MLS player, unless they are actually, you know, lighting it up every single weekend, week out, should be worth that much. All right, fair enough. What, what are we talking about here? Like $20 million? I think 15 I think that, is 15. It, yeah. I, I guess like for me, some, some of this at least looks like posturing from team owners that are trying to raise the price on the transfer. Whereas I, so I think for Daryl DK alone makes a lot of sense. And if he goes to the championship, all of this is, would come to fruition if they got promoted and could, could trigger the release clause. I think for someone like, we'll, we'll talk about next Ricardo Pepe. Uh, the owner of FC Dallas recently said that, Ricardo Pepe will be back with the team. He needs another year. If he goes abroad and doesn't score, maybe his his World Cup is in jeopardy. I feel like some of these owners are just saying these things to up the price and basically signal to the rest of the world that they're not going to let these guys go easily. And that might mean the difference between a $10 million transfer and a $15 million transfer that you would get. 
I don't even know why that they're doing this, given they're not going to get all that money for a replacement. MLS roster rules means they're only going to get a small chunk of funny money for them. Well, if if players are homegrown, I think you get two thirds of the funds. Okay. So at least for Ricardo Pepe, I don't I don't think Daryl DK is homegrown for Orlando. Um, he was drafted. Yeah. yeah. So, but Ricardo Pepe. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about Ricardo Pepe. There were rumors that he had an agreement with Wolfsburg set up. He was going to Ajax next. Now we're talking about Real Madrid wanting Ricardo Pepe. I think it was Atleti. Atleti. Atletico Madrid. Sorry. He's going to the same town, different team. Uh, are you guys buying or selling Ricardo Pepe to Atletico Madrid? Uh, I'm selling. And if it, if it does come to fruition, I don't think it's the right move for him. Uh, I just, I I look at players like Brendan Aronson who go to a league like Austria, but still playing for a predominant club and getting Champions League minutes. And I think he's just grown leaps and bounds because he's in an environment in which they're in possession. He's scoring a lot of goals. He's getting an opportunity to have the game slow down for him a little bit and get comfortable over in Europe first. So for me, a, a transfer to a big club like this isn't what I want to see. And also, too, I don't like, I don't want to see him go to a team. And not saying that Atletico Madrid is super defensive minded; you, they kind of are. But um, I just want to see him at a young age like this in an opportunity where he's going to be having the ball in front of goal. And I don't see that taking place if he goes to Atleti, because I think he'll just be too far buried on the depth chart. We don't need Sergeant 2.0 of you know moving abroad but then not having an opportunity to sharpen your skills in front of the net so for i would definitely look forward to a move for him potentially to the edder bc i know they talked about ajax and that's everyone's number one but i think any team in the edder bc or in an environment in which he has the opportunity to continue to get comfortable in europe and score a bunch of goals is the right opportunity so selling on atleti for me yeah selling as well i think we're sort of I'm almost ready to start calling this the MLS striker paradox where we want our good strikers to go abroad and get minutes, but the amount that they're now worth as young MLS strikers prevents them from going abroad and getting minutes because the only teams who can afford to buy them are the ones who are not going to give young strikers minutes. So we're sort of caught in this sort of rock in a hard place situation where if the player like Pepe wants to go abroad, they're going to have to be purchased by a team who's going to see them as a depth piece or a future piece for the roster. But we need them to be contributing now. And so that's the teams that would be doing that are not going to be able to afford them given MLS's valuation of these young players. And I don't really know what the solution is, but Atletico Madrid is not the solution for Ricardo Pepe. Yeah, especially just right now, like the year before the World Cup. If this was a year down the road from now, I'm might be willing to do it. I think it is not right for me. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's it's tough too because you look at, for instance, the Josie Altador. If we just take history as our precedent, Josie Altador got sold for I think it was like twelve to fourteen million something to the Spanish league. Kind of fizzled out there. Didn't get a ton of playing time. Didn't have a ton of goals. Went to the Eredivisie um, and had a thirty goal season. And then went to the Premier League and tested himself at Hull and Sunderland. Didn't work out there either. But I think you see when you can play with the game in front of you, 
have the ball at your feet, be able to, Ryan, like you were saying, kind of slow down a little bit before you get to those faster leagues to be able to develop that. I think we're, I don't mind too much now that we're talking about Ricardo Pepe going to Atleti because while I want to have a locked on number nine, we have so many young players abroad where it's like if one fizzles out, there's probably another player to take his place. Whereas when Josie Altador went abroad, he was like the only player <laughs> that we could trust. <laughs> yeah, other than maybe Clint Dempsey, who was aging, um, and the goalkeepers in the Premier League. So now there's a little bit less pressure, at least from my mind as a fan, to get him in the right place. But Ricardo Pepe has all the tools that I would want to see develop in a place like Salzburg or in a place like Gank or Ghent or any of those teams, PSV, any of those teams in kind of a top 10 European league where he can still play with the ball in front of him and with an attacking style. All right. Last one, we have Miles Robinson going to the Bundesliga. A few teams reportedly interested. First, I want to know if you're buying or selling this rumor. And second, if it was a Bundesliga team, which team would you want him to go to? So the reports were saying, you know, anytime there's vague reports like Bundesliga teams high up the table or some Premier League teams are interested, anytime even two that it just says interested, like, okay, what does that mean? Like they send an email, like that, that doesn't mean anything to me that they're interested. Uh, I, I would like to see a whole lot more. I don't think there's been much out there to substantiate this yet. Um Everything I've heard actually very to that um, from people that work somewhat closely with Miles. So I, I I haven't heard anything about it yet, and I have asked directly about it. So I would be surprised to see if this happens. Uh, again, I don't think Atlanta has a history, too, of being extremely friendly to acquire players from. Um, I think they've kind of dropped the ball a little bit before, not blaming anyone, but Boca Negra maybe a little bit. Um, anyway, I digress. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So, yeah, I, I don't think there's much to it as much as I would love to see it. If, if I think he's ready. I think his game, he needs that next step to continue to progress. Uh, I think he's kind of in the mold of like a Jeff Cameron, went over a little bit later but can still grow and get, you know, potentially all the way to the Premier League. So selling the rumor as much as I would love to see it happen. Uh, I, I'm selling this one as well. I, I want to see Miles Robinson go abroad. I don't know if he has the tools to be a successful Bundesliga center back at this point in his career. I think that he definitely needs to work on his passing as athletic as he is as a center back. I've said this before. I'm not sure his passing is good enough for a top five league right now. All the center backs have to be able to play with the ball at their feet. And we've seen him make mistakes that he shouldn't make if he's going to be going to that high of a level league. So I would rather see him again in a six to 10 level league somewhere in Belgium or uh, Portugal or the Netherlands would be a, a good level for him. Or even maybe the EFL championship would be another great spot. Just sort of get a chance to work on the parts of his game that would need work before making the jump to a top five league. My big concern with Miles Robinson is he's getting a little bit old for that. And mm -hmm. if he's going to go, it's got to be soon. Otherwise, he's going to be an MLS lifer. So Teams might be seeing him as too old already, and Atlanta probably values him pretty high. We're, again, another MLS best 11 type player who is going to struggle to find a team that is willing to pay for him and still play him. So it's 
It's a tricky situation. I don't think the Bundesliga rumors are true as much as I would like them to be. Yeah, I'm selling as well. I think the championship would be the perfect level for him. Some A team fighting for promotion is probably right where he would want to be. I think about players like Cameron Carter-Vickers, who isn't even necessarily on our depth chart at, at the point, where he's starting and playing 90 for Celtic every single game, including Europa League. So for me, like Miles Robinson is easily as good as Cameron Carter-Vickers is, but Cameron Carter-Vickers is 23 and a huge body and now getting playing time in Europe where Miles Robinson, his time's running out. He's not old by any means, but center backs do develop a bit later in life. So it's it's a bit riskier if you take someone now um, to make sure that they can grow into the, the player that you want them to be. All right, guys. So we might have this as a consistent um, exercise for us on the podcast as more and more rumors start to come through in January. We'll see how it goes. But... We have players that are currently playing right now, so no more uh, rumors. We have facts of goals, assists, and players that didn't perform up to the task this week. Guys, who are your stars of the week players that performed in the previous match day? Is that a house phone? Yes. yes. <laughs> this house is underground. Dude. I'm currently underground. <laughs> I love it. Sorry. I'm so sorry. I was just like, I haven't heard a house phone in... <laughs> Probably like 10 Next, years. we're gonna hear the the DSL. Yeah, <laughs> I love well, it. Sorry, back, <laughs> back on task. We'll we'll make it quick. We're running a little bit long today, uh, so we're going through stars and strikes. Stars number one. It's got to be the number one star for everybody. He's our podcast boy's favorite. Everybody loves him. Chris Richards scoring his first goal in the Bundesliga in stoppage time to win the game. May or may not have broken his nose. We'll see. Uh, I don't know if it happened on the header itself, but to, to be determined. Anyway, it was amazing just to see his elation. I think like the camera angle of it and everything was perfect. It was like made for a commercial. Uh, it was just huge. So glad to see him getting back. You know, over the last three games, he's been starting back in the, like getting regular minutes, not coming off the bench anymore. So as we see him getting regular time, making a big impact for. Hoffenheim is huge. You love to see it. For me, other quick stars of the week. Aronson, overall, pretty solid. I feel like we mentioned him week in and week out. Went 90 during midweek, uh, again, in the Champions League with a 1-0 win over Sevilla. And then also another 90 minutes over the weekend in which he had an assist and created seven chances overall. So good weekend for him. For me, one of the stars that I think a lot of people aren't talking about, but it's kind of a a different type of star for me is Richie Ledesma coming back from an ACL tear. He had just broken through for PSV uh, when he did tear his ACL. He was getting a start in, I believe it was Europa League. So another guy in the midfield that we can get back that is super creative and can really progress the ball up the field. Excited to see him back. And then last strike for me, just real quick, a name we don't mention a lot on this podcast, but love the guy, Nicholas Gio Akini who subbed on in the 77th minute and got an assist from Montpellier. So big week for him getting, you know, on the score sheet is he's been struggling for minutes there a little bit. So happy to see him make an impact in his sub appearance. Tom, did I miss anybody? Um, I'm going to go over, uh, let's see. Oh, I, I'm going to go to MLS real quickly and congratulate James Sands and Sean Johnson. on winning their first MLS cup. Sean Johnson coming in huge, saving two penalties in the shootout. James Sands putting in almost an man-of-the-match performance at that center defensive mid-hybrid center back spot. 
playing excellent for New York City FC in route to claiming the championship there. I wanted to throw a shout out to Gianluca Busio as well for having an excellent performance in a draw for Juvent- for Venezia against Juventus. A huge point for them, and Busio was solid as he always is. I feel like I had a third, but I can't quite remember who it was. So I'll throw it back to you, Jake. <laughs> See if you have any other stars. Really, the stars, you you covered them, guys. Uh, we had an insane MLS Cup that happened. A goal on the last kick of the game that sent it to extra time. Went to spot kicks. And like you said, I'll also say Alfredo Morales, who is a veteran of the U.S. Men's National Team, had played in Bundesliga Bundesliga 2 before. It was really one of those those players that were lost in the lost generation. But I have always loved his game and what he's brought to the U.S. Men's National Team. So congrats to him winning an MLS Cup for NYCFC. As much as it pains me as a Metro Stars fan since the age of six years old, Red Bulls Metro Stars have never won a cup or an MLS Cup final. We've had two supporter shields, so it hurts to say, but congrats NYCFC on your victory in MLS Cup. Um, for strikes, though, do you guys have any players that were striking for poor performances or not being able to get on the board this weekend? Yeah, I'm starting to get a little concerned about Brooks. Uh, you know, there's been some rumors floating around that I don't know if they leaked from Wolfsburg camp or USMNT camp, but just more reports coming out that his attitude isn't quite there. And I think that's one thing. If you have a bad window and kind of a crappy attitude with the national team, you can kind of go back to your club, get your head right and come back. And hopefully, you know, it's, it's kind of like you get a fresh slate or something similar to that each time you show up. You know, just rectify it, come back the next window, have a good attitude. I think you move forward. But when you're doing that at club level, it's it's alarming, uh, especially to new coaching situation there. It's it's kind of the, the formula that you're seeing is him not getting a lot of regular minutes and potentially even being sold from the club. So things I think are pretty rocky for Brooks right now. So hit strike for me. And then just briefly, we touched on it earlier, too. I just think Dest midweek. Barca in general did not look good against Bayern, but I, I think that could be more a symptom of Bayern being really good rather than Barca being that bad. Uh, so just it was, it was rough to see him get yanked at halftime. Even just his attitude in the first half, you could tell not dialed in, not there for it that day. I'm going to stay in Spain too. We continue, continue to see a ghost where we should see Matthew Hoppy not making Mallorca's match day squads. Uh, no idea what's going on there. I, he's just completely disappeared from all news, and that's a little bit alarming. I don't know if he's still injured or if there's something else going on there, but that's a situation that I would like to resolve itself. And Matt Miazga has sort of lost his starting spot for Alaves, and that's another situation that I really am not comfortable with and wish would improve itself because we definitely are not seeing that as something that's very strong right now. Yeah. I just have one player for my strikes to add on. And this is more because someone is in the starting 11 that isn't doing so well. It is Joe Scali at Borussia Mönchengladbach. They have three straight defeats now where the combined score is 14 to two. He has played in all three of those games, a four, one loss to Köln. or how do I say that? Ryan Kuhn. Kuhn. (laughs) 
<laughs> you gotta get the, like, the back of the throat L in there. <laughs> All right, I think that's the best I'm gonna do. A, a six nothing defeat to Freiburg at home, and then a four one defeat this past weekend to RB Leipzig. Joe Scali and the entire team need to pick it up. They have quickly fallen to just three three spaces above the relegation zone, two points ahead of Augsburg. So hopefully Mönchengladbach can pick it back up. They're still looking for a new head coach as well. So wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Jesse Marsh, I don't know, is available. <laughs> heard, heard he's a guy that could potentially take a team back into the mid-table for the Bundesliga. So guys, we're running a bit long. I think what we'll do is we'll talk about some Champions League matchups on the next podcast or when we get closer to the games in February. I do just want to say there are currently six Americans potentially that can play in these knockout stages. Brendan Aronson and FC Salzburg is going to take on potentially Malik Tillman and Bayern Munich. Malik Tillman is a dual national that has yet to commit to the U.S. men's national team, but he does have a U.S. flag in his social media. So we're going to count him for now as one of <laughs> six. Um, Zach Steffen and Manchester City are going to take on Sporting Portugal. Um, we see, sorry, that's a cat that has just taken that off. Um, Christian Pulisic and Chelsea are going to take on Timothy Way and Lille. And then Weston McKinney and Juventus are going to take on Villarreal. So that is it for our Americans in the knockout stages of the Champions League. We're going to give you a bigger rundown again when we have a bit more time. And these games don't start until mid-February. So we will have all of the information and the teams might look different after the January transfer window. Um, guys, did you watch the draw at all today? There was some crazy stuff that happened. No, I just read about it. I wasn't watching it. Yeah, I so was not either. Villarreal was picked as a runner-up, and they they had to go through all of the other um, balls to pick a team to play against Villarreal, and they picked Manchester United. Those two teams were in the group together, so they shouldn't have been paired or have a possible pairing. Um, and then they were taken out of the running to play against the next team that was picked, which I think was Atletico Madrid. So they protested because they eventually got chosen to play against PSG. They didn't like that. Um, they protested the, the drawing, and it had to be redone two hours later. The entire drawing for the Champions League was redrawn. Um, Lille and Chelsea were, was the one matchup that stayed. Um, they were drawn again. But Manchester United didn't do too much better than PSG. Now they have to play Atletico Madrid. So they didn't do uh, too well for, for their redrawing. We'll talk a little bit more about that madness uh, maybe in the next week. Guys, let's wrap up here and see uh, which games we're watching. We're headed into the Christmas time period, which is usually quite hectic for the Premier League specifically. Any games that you guys have on your radar for this coming week? Um, nothing in particular that really jumps out to me right now. There's some midweek games with Venezia, uh, I'm going to let's give that a shot. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, another chance to potentially see Tessman and Busio on the field together. Always excited to see that. And then, uh, one we do see later on, on Wednesday, that will be kind of exciting because Bundesliga has two games. Uh, midweek and on the weekends uh, is BBB versus uh, Grote Foyt. So always excited to see potentially Julian Green back on the pitch. And then over the weekends, if I had to pick just one that I'm really looking forward to, 
Hopefully getting off the schneid is going to be Josh Sargent as Norwich Norwich take on West Ham. That's a tough game. Tough opponent still. It's going to be real tough. Yeah. How about you, Tom? I'm going to go with a Thursday midweek game in the Premier League. We've got Chelsea taking on Everton. Hopefully Pulisic gets some minutes there. That'll be a really interesting one to watch. Uh, moving towards the weekend, uh, Juventus versus Bologna in the in Italy uh, is sort of my choice as the best sort of Yanks game to watch this weekend. Not a whole lot going on on Saturday from the Yanks perspective. So maybe just take it easy and get ready for an amazing game against yeah. Bosnia later in the night. Amazing game against Bosnia. <laughs> Um, I am taking a flight back to the U.S. on Sunday, so I probably won't be watching live. But I would love to see Venezia continue to climb up the standings in Syria and really solidify their place to be out of the relegation zone in the last few match days of the season. They've had some really good results lately. Again, tied 1-1 against Juventus in their last run out. Uh, Busio and Tessman both had parts to play there. All right, guys, we made it to the hour. If you're listening to the podcast, make sure to stick around for my conversation with Michael Woparlo, who just made his debut in the Polish First Division. Otherwise, this is our last word. Tom, let's send it over to you. What's your last word for the people? Last word is just, uh, you know, we're moving towards the holiday season. I hope everyone has a great time, gets to, to spend some time with family, get maybe a break from the hecticness that is life. I know for me that I'm looking forward to that starting up and getting, you know, a chance to really spend some time here and enjoy my time with my family. I do. I am going to be on that grind though, looking at these graduate school applications. Uh, maybe we'll have to do at some point, uh, the decision for Thomas to figure out where he goes next year, because there's decision a lot of day. Decision, <laughs> decision, day, yes. decision day coming up at some point here <laughs> in the future. Hopefully um, got six applications due on Wednesday to schools around the country and another three that'll be, put in over the next month. So fingers crossed that I get in somewhere and I continue on this amazing journey that I'm on in astrophysics. I think everyone watching will just want you to go somewhere with better internet than New Mexico. That's all they <laughs> ask for. Yeah, I think you're doing strong, strong work today. Mine was the one that let us down. <laughs> no, Ryan, only just 25 episodes, man. That's freaking cool. That's it. It's a huge moment. And I think... You know, you guys have done so much work. Jake, we can't thank you enough for all the work that you do behind the scenes. It really is appreciated. Those listening, you guys don't understand. Jake really is the the pulse that keeps this thing moving. Without him, we'd be in tons of trouble. And just I'm gonna make all you. you. <laughs> <laughs> He's all, I'm also all powerful. Uh, but no, also just thank you to everyone listening. It's you know having the opportunity to talk with you guys and get to do this every week is really incredible. So. Uh, just a huge thank you from me to you guys. I really appreciate it all. Yeah. I mean, if we're not, if we just stop being humble to say we made it 25 episodes, it's it's a great moment in U.S. men's national team history. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> in all, all things that have ever happened for the U.S. men's national team, us making it to 25 episodes was very unlikely. So thanks everyone so much for your support. Thank you for continuing to listen, continuing to watch. Um, my last word for this week is we're headed into the holidays. Hug your family, tell them you love them, tell them about this podcast, and we will <laughs> likely see you on the next week to talk about the Bosnia and Herzegovina game and some of the performances over the weekend. I'll be on a flight back to the States next Sunday, so we might have some more uh, background changes coming in the next few episodes. 
Thanks, everyone. And I hope you have a great week. Bye, guys. Yo, what's up, everyone? Today we have the first interview on the channel with a professional player. Michael Waparlo is a dual national American Polish player who just made his debut at 18 years old in the Polish first division. I just want to say before we get into the interview, a huge thanks to Michael for coming on the channel and doing this interview. And for everyone watching, just keep in mind that English is Michael's second language. So go easy on him. I'll put his Twitter handle in the description so everyone can go follow him and follow his progress as he moves towards more playing time in Poland. Thanks so much for watching, everyone. Make sure to like the video so more people can find it. Subscribe to the channel for more USMNT content, and I will see you on the next video. Peace. Today, we are honored to be joined by our first player guest, Michael Waparlo, who plays in the Polish First Division, just made his debut over the last weekend and was born in the US, currently lives and plays and trains in Poland. So we're very happy to have him on the channel. Michael, I'd love to just have you introduce yourself to the fans that don't know you or haven't seen your debut on Twitter yet. Um, you know, who are you? What's your story? I know you were born in the U.S., currently live in Poland. What's that been like for you just growing up? What was that story? Yeah, uh, hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Michael Viparwo. I'm an 18-year-old midfielder slash uh, center back. I recently uh, made my debut, as you said. Uh, I'm really proud of it. I worked my hardest uh, for it to happen. Uh, yeah, I was born in America. Uh, before I moved to Poland, I, I lived there for about a year, I would say. Uh, because my dad was playing a uh, professional in Poland. So I also attended a sports school, which had trainings every day. Uh, I'm still in America like once or twice a year, I would say, because I visit my family for Christmas and uh, I go there for vacations. That's great. So are you going over this Christmas or is COVID restrictions going to stop? Oh, uh, yeah. Unfortunately, I can't go this Christmas, but I'll definitely go on vacation. Okay. And where where are your family in America? Um, a part of my family lives in New Jersey, but most of it is uh, in New York, Staten Island. Yeah. Okay, great. I'm actually from New Jersey, so maybe we can talk a little bit about that uh -huh. after after we, re we record. Um, so you mentioned you're a center midfielder slash center back. Is that your preferred position? And talk a little bit about what your strengths and weaknesses are as a player. Yeah, so pretty much my whole life, I was a center mid, but uh, a guy from the second team of Salmielas got injured. And we didn't really have anyone to play there. So the trainer just asked me if I could play there. And I was like, yeah, no problem, 100%. And it just worked out. The trainer from the first team saw me. He he invited me to go train with them. And, and that's really how it happened. So I, I feel really comfortable in center back right now. This is my uh, This is my position right now, yeah. Awesome. So how long have you been playing center back then? Is this... A recent thing or has it been a year or two since you've been developing that position oh definitely not a year i would say like maybe three or four months so i'm still learning my positioning but but i really like the, the position yeah and from what i saw on the debut video 
you're quite tall, you're, te- you're quite physical. So would you say that's one of your strengths in playing or like, are you more of a technical player? Oh, I would actually say that I'm not physical at all. Like this is one of my biggest weaknesses and I work on it every day. I'm not really that strong, but I hit the gym like twice or three times a, uh, a week. I obviously everything is uh, in the corporation with the trainer. He tells me what to do. I don't do nothing by myself, nothing dumb. Uh, but my uh, best feature is definitely my technique and my vision on the field. Awesome. Awesome. So you've mentioned that you just made your debut at just 18 years old for the first team. What emotions were you feeling before you got onto the pitch and then when you took that first step on? Oh, man, I was just so happy. The trainer walked up to me and he was like, yeah, Michael, this is your time. You're going to make a debut. And now I was just feeling just happy, man. Yeah. It was a blessing. And so did you know that you were going to get your debut or was it more of a surprise during that game? Uh, I was kind of expecting it to happen because we didn't have a lot of player on the, players on the bench, especially not, not uh, defense players. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we were winning 2-0, so I kind of expected it, but I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Yeah, so we'll, we'll talk a little bit about maybe what your short-term and long-term goals are later, but you mentioned that you moved up pretty quickly from the second team to the first team. What's your contract situation like right now? Uh, right now, I'm not assigned to anyone. I'm, I'm just training with the first team. But I'm uh, working really hard to to get one. That's my main goal right now. Yeah. Awesome. So maybe if you get some more playing time, you can show the scouts and the the trainers what you can bring. That's great. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. Awesome. Well, good luck on that. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about like you started training as a center midfielder, but now you're playing as a center back. Are there certain players that you watch and model yourself after, like players that you look up to that play similar to you? Yeah, yeah. I actually have two players, but they're uh, center mids. I don't really have a, a favorite center back, but I would say uh, Ramos. Like he's pretty good, I would say. <laughs> but yeah, uh, the the two I I really like and look up to are uh, Madrid and Eriksson. Uh, Luca is just the smartest guy I've ever seen play football. And uh, Christian, in my opinion, has no weak foot and he doesn't think uh, if he needs to use his left now or right, he just does things automatically. Yeah. So are you, I'm going to infer that you're a Real Madrid fan from the Sergio Ramos and Luka Modric, or do you have a favorite team that you follow? Oh, actually my favorite team from, from being a kid is uh, always uh, the Spurs. I have a scarf here. I'm a really big fan. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. My favorite player from uh, from uh, Tottenham used to be Ericsson, but he left. And now it's it's up to San. Okay. Yep. San is definitely a, a fan favorite. So that makes a lot of sense. Maybe uh, Hoiberg will be your next center midfielder that you you like and like to watch. Yeah, maybe. 
<laughs> you talk you talked a little bit about the center midfielders, the players that you looked up to. But actually, as I understand it, your dad is also a former professional player, right? So he he was a goalkeeper, so maybe not a ton of the technique is transferable, but how did that impact your development into a professional player to have a parent that had played in the Polish league and made uh three caps for for the Polish national team? Yeah, so uh, even though my dad was a goalkeeper, he still gave me like a lot of good advice. Uh, since a kid, he he took me to the field. He he taught me how to be a goalkeeper. Actually, when I started, I was a goalkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> but then um, uh, I just wanted to score goals and uh, do more on the field. Uh, that's how it changed. But... He definitely helped me develop a uh, good technique, which I have, have now. Uh, and I'm, I'm really grateful for everything he did for me. And uh, I still look up to him until this day, I would say. Yeah. And has he kind of taught you about mentality or what it takes to be a professional? Like, do you feel like that's made a difference in getting your first debut with the first team? Yeah, we, we talk about it a lot, but but that's that's. Uh, I wouldn't like to talk about these things, these these conversations we had because they're really private, and he he taught me some great things. So I will definitely keep them to myself. Yeah, very very mature. I won't uh, pry much more on that. Um, so just to help the fans get to know you a bit better, do you have any hobbies or interests outside of sports? Yeah, so uh, pretty much, I would say outside of soccer, when I don't train, when I'm uh, chilling at my uh, at my uh, room or something, I listen to music like twenty four seven. I can't <laughs> stop, and it, it always gets me in a good mood. Get mood gets me motivated, and yeah. I guess this is a natural next question, but I'm sure music plays a large part in how you get like prepped for the game or do you listen to music before you go out and play and what type of music is that? Uh, I would say rap. Yeah. My favorite artist is Polo G. Nice. Uh, NBA Youngboy is also my, my, I would say maybe idol because uh, I listen to, to the lyrics, really what he says. And maybe uh, Lil Loda, wh- who recently passed away, and I was really sad. But yeah, yeah, nice. Um, no, that's awesome. Do you play any instruments, or is the interest in music more just listening? No, I, I don't play. I just listen. <laughs> nice, <laughs> makes it easy. <laughs> um, so I know this is this might be a bit premature, but and you just made your debut in the first division in Poland. But have you considered which international team you would want to play for if you continue developing into that quality level of player? Yeah, so I was recently thinking about it and uh, I came to the conclusion that I'm not really on that level right now. I want to focus on uh, working hard to get on on that level and then I'll start thinking about what I want to represent, like Poland or, or USA. For me right now, I don't really know, man. Yeah, that's fair. I feel like I'm finding a lot of maturity in your answers, honestly, to 
kind Thanks. of take things one step at a time. Um, so maybe we can talk about that. Like you talked about, you're trying to win a contract right now. You want to build up to being maybe that quality in the longer term. So what are some of the shorter term goals for you in the next month or the next year? Is it playing time that you're looking for? Is it really like securing that contract as the main thing? Yeah, so right now, as you said, my main goal is uh, to really get more playing time because with that comes, uh, um, I can't find the word in English. I'm sorry, because my, my this is not my, uh, my first language. I speak Polish. But um, if you could help me, With sure. more playing time, you get more uh, experience. Experience. Practice. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. 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 Experience. So that's really kind of the next step for you is getting experience with a first team. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So then from there, like if you're looking a few years on, um, you know, longer term, what are those goals for you? Are you looking at certain leagues or teams that you would want to play for in the future? Uh, right now, I'm really focused on uh, the club that I'm in, Stalmielec. I want to uh, sign here. I want to get a contract. But I can tell my, my favorite league. My favorite league is obviously Premier League. And I'm, I don't know, maybe my dream team is Spurs, I guess. Nice. Maybe in a few years we'll look back at this this interview and they'll play it on the big screen at Spurs Stadium when you make your debut. I would be um, very happy. <laughs> this is more of a silly thing, but I noticed on your your Twitter post with your debut, there were a few people that commented with American flag emojis. Does that influence you at all or make you more curious about playing for the US national team in the future? Yes, of course, of course. Uh, thank you for uh, for all the support to the, to the guys listening. Maybe some of you commented on my Twitter. And yeah, since I'm I'm already in America like once or twice a year, I definitely love the country, and I definitely thought about playing for USA. So there, you you kind of mentioned the Premier League is the league that you follow the most, and Spurs is your favorite team. There are a lot of players that get sold from the Polish first division to play in the the larger leagues across Europe. Um, do you see, like, from where you are now, what what's the gap for you to make a jump to a bigger league? Like, what needs to improve the most? How close are you to, like, getting, how close do you feel like you are to getting that professional contract and getting more experience? Yeah, so as I said earlier, I definitely need to work on my strength, but that's uh, that's already in progress. That's already what I'm doing. So uh, once that's finished, I'll definitely work on other things, just uh, like uh, like header, because uh, even even though I'm really I'm really tall, uh, my header is not that great, and I know about it, and and I will work on it. Definitely as a center back, that will be an important part of your growth. Um, so that's interesting. Like going forward, then have you kind of set yourself on the longer term path to be a center back? Or do you still feel like there's room to move around and try different positions? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm a very versatile player. 
Uh, and I, I don't limit myself to being a center back. I can play anywhere. To be honest, you can play me on the wing, and I, and I, I still I will still give something for the team. Nice. I mean, versatility will always help you get get more minutes, get more experience. So that's great. So just to finish up, we talked a lot about you playing positionally as a center back, a center mid, following you know in your dad's footsteps, and also doing a lot of what you needed to do on your own to get to where you are now. Um, just to wrap it up with a bit more fun, you talked about Polo G, some of your favorite musical artists. Are there other routines or things that you need to do before a game? Yeah, so uh, before the match, I, I like to eat uh, chicken and rice, definitely. My mom makes the best meals ever. She's a really good cook. Uh, obviously, the music, uh, I, I probably spend like an hour in my car just listening to music uh, by myself, obviously. I don't want no one to be there. I get concentrated there, get in a good mood. Uh, I have a, actually a Polo G t-shirt on right now. <laughs> I'm the big fan, actually. <laughs> and yeah, uh, that's pretty much it, I think. Nice. That's awesome. Well, I don't know if Polo G watches this channel, but we'll try and try and get you uh, in contact with him. That'd be awesome. But Michael, thank you so much for joining us, for spending the time, for coming to the channel and talking about your experience making your debut in the Polish First Division. Is there anything else you want to say to the U.S. fans out there watching this? That's it. Thank you very much for having me.